Good morning. It's so nice to be back here at AIC, uh, especially as it's the last Sunday in your mission month. It's been a while since I've been here. It's been so long, actually, so I went upstairs to the hall up there, and I was waiting, and everybody was singing and practicing in Cantonese. I still felt right at home because I'm used to preaching in Cantonese, so this is also another great thing to be able to speak in my mother tongue this morning. So thank you for having me back. Um, I'd like to take just a couple minutes and introduce myself. Um, as Pastor Mike mentioned, uh, I've been here in Hong Kong now for 22 years. So back in 1993, I followed God's leading uh, to come and to minister to teenagers in Hong Kong. And for the first uh, 15 years, I was serving at a Chinese Christian Missionary Alliance school, high school in Taiwan, at Changwenji College. And I would teach oral English. I wasn't a paid teacher, but I was on campus. I would teach English, and then I would try to lead people to Christ, and I'd invite them to afternoon Bible studies, where I continued to shepherd them and try to share the gospel with them. Well, back about eight or nine years ago, I started sensing God laying on my heart a new vision, and that was to try to encourage people to become more involved in missions, rather than just me, myself, being a missionary. And at that time, God led me to AGS, and since then, I've had many more opportunities within Hong Kong and even in the States uh, to try to encourage people to be involved in God's mission to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, over the last four years, I've been helping AGS build a partnership w with my home church in the USA and another mission agency in the USA to focus on a minority people group in China, the, Guang, the Zhuang people group in Guangxi. Now, less than 1% of the Zhuang people are Christian. So over these few years, I've made quite a number of trips into that area and had some great opportunities to meet with the local pastors there. Well, in addition to the ministry in China, in August of last year, I spent two months in Cambodia, and actually I'm planning on going back again in, in uh, April and May of this year. So over these 22 years of serving as a missionary in this part of the world, I've, had many I've been able to go to many different places, and I've had a lot of different experiences. Probably one of the most memorable experiences happened uh, about four years ago in Indonesia. In fact, this was probably the most terrifying experience in my whole life because I really thought I was going to die. I was on a remote island in Indonesia when a huge storm came up. It was very windy, the waves were very big, and I was supposed to take the fast boat back to the main island to get the airplane to come back to Hong Kong. But because the weather was so bad, they suspended the fast boat service for three days. Well, I had important commitments in Hong Kong the following day, so I really needed to get to the airport. So I was just really frantic, what am I going to do? And, and a local, an Indonesian, a local Indonesian suggested I take the public boat to a different island where there would be a way for me to get to the airport. Now, here's a, a photo of kind of what the public boat looks like. Now, you have to know everyone was speaking in Indonesia. They're Indonesian. There was no English. And I was nervous because I'm traveling by myself, and I don't know the language, and plus the weather conditions were really bad. So I get in the boat, and I sit down, and there are about 25 people on the boat. And the locals start to pass out life jackets. Now, you have to realize, from what I understand, in Indonesia they don't typically do this. So even this act of passing out life jackets was an indication this may not be such a safe trip. Um, well, the first life jacket I got, well, being again the tall person I am, was too small. It was like a kid's size on me, so I passed it on. 
The second life jacket I got had only one strap out of three that was working. So of course, I wanted to pass it on, but uh, I looked and there was none left, and there were people on the boat that didn't have life jackets. So I held onto that one, and I strapped the one uh, working strap together and sat down. And you could just feel the nervous tension on this boat, because after we got out of the, the, the little bay area and got out into the open waters, it was just, it was really bad. It was supposed to be a half an hour trip. And as we got out into the open water, as I said, the waves were just pushing the boat back and forth. And sometimes, almost every time it came to the crest of the wave, the motor would seem to cut out. Actually, sometimes it would cut out, and the, the poor guy in the back, he'd be back there working so hard to get it going again. And it would start, we would go a little bit, hit another wave, it would rock back and forth, the, the, the motor would go out, and he would be working again, tilting back and forth. It was scary. In fact, it was so scary that there were three uh, local policemen sitting across from me on this boat. These are big, ma mas masculine guys. And I noticed when we got to one wave and we were really, really tilting, I looked across and there was this one uh, really big, husky, uh, muscular uh, policeman. He was sitting down and he reached his hand over onto the thigh, the leg of the guy next to him. He was just squeezing. <laughs> now think, if the local policemen are scared, it's, it's a bad situation, right? So as we kept going, and I saw that the island we were supposed to be getting to was so far away. It, just, it never seemed like we got any closer to that island. And the boat kept rocking back and forth. And I don't know from the picture I showed you before, in the middle of the boat there was all this rebar. They had rebar and uh, construction material and bricks and stuff. And behind me was this plastic uh, thing to protect us from the rain. And I just had the feeling that the boat would capsize. All of this material was going to fall over on top of me. And I was going to be pinned. I was going to drown. I was so certain I was going to drown that I pulled my, got my backpack uh, and I pulled something out. Now, most people guess I pulled out my Bible. I'm sorry I wasn't that spiritual at that moment. I pulled out my passport, okay, and I put it around my neck and I put my passport inside my, my shirt, which was inside my life jacket. So if, if they found my body, they could easily identify me. <laughs> well, you know, it was the most terrifying experience of my life. But during those 10 or 15 minutes, I had a lot of time to think. And I had a lot of time to pray. And I reflected on my life, and I reflected on death. And I came to learn a lot of things about myself. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you been in a situation where you thought you might die? If you were in that boat with me, and for 10 or 15 minutes, you had the feeling that you might die at any moment, what do you think would go through your mind? What would you think about? Besides being afraid or scared, would you be ready to die? Would you have any regrets about the way you spent your life? Today we're going to look at Paul's reflections as he faced a situation where he thought he might die. And we'll see some of the questions that he struggled with and some of the thoughts he had as he faced this situation, and we're going to see what was most important in his life. In fact, I've heard you just uh, went through a, a message series on this. It's my, one, it's my favorite book in the whole Bible. It's Philippians. We're going to look at uh, most of chapter 1 or big parts of chapter 1 this morning. And in fact, uh, this message, typically, I call it the P's in Philippians. The P, not the, the, the vegetable P, but the, the letter P. So you're going to see some highlighted P's in here. But today we're going to focus on the last P, partnership in the gospel. So since you've already uh, been through this uh, book a few, week, a few months ago, you probably are very familiar, but let me give you a little background. 
During his third missionary journey, Paul, when he was visiting Jerusalem, he was arrested by the Jews for preaching the gospel. But he appealed to Caesar to hear his case. So then Paul was escorted by soldiers to Rome where he was placed under arrest, probably house arrest. And it is likely from here that Paul is writing his letter to the church at Philippi. Well, let's see how Paul introduces himself in this letter. But before we do that, let me ask you a question. If someone were to ask you to introduce yourself, what would you say? If I asked you to come up here right now and I gave you a minute to introduce yourself, what would you say? Let's see what Paul says as he introduces himself in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone asked you to introduce yourself, what would you, what would you say? Well, today we mostly identify ourselves by our jobs or our current status. I'm a teacher. I work at Hang Sing Bank. I'm a student at Chinese University. Or we will identify ourselves by our nationality or where we live. I'm an American. I'm from Hong Kong. I live in Kowloon Tong. Sometimes we will add, uh, we will talk about our marital status or our family. I am a mother of two children. I'm single. Maybe we will add our religious belief. I'm a Christian. If we're in church, we will likely add some of our ministry titles. I help in the ch children's ministry. I'm on the worship team. I'm a deacon. You know, I find it interesting that Paul doesn't mention any of these things. Now, in fact, Paul could have started the letter this way. Paul, the missionary who founded this church. But he didn't. His primary and most important identity is what? How does he introduce himself? Simply this, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. I am a servant of Christ. Paul's primary personal identity is a servant of Christ Jesus. This is more important than any other position, post, or status. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. But what does it mean to be a servant? What does a servant do? Well, we all know the job of a servant is to obey his master. A servant willingly gives up his rights and actively tries to please his master. Do you see yourself as a servant of Christ Jesus? I think that most of us, most of the time we see ourselves, or we, we don't actively see ourselves, but it just happens that we put ourselves as the master of the Lord or the ruler of our lives, and often we live only to please ourselves. How do you see yourself? How do you identify yourself? This is an important question because how we see ourselves very much affects how we act, what we do, and what we say. So do you see yourself as a servant of Christ Jesus? Do you willingly give up your rights to Jesus? Do you actively try to please Jesus and be obedient to him? Do you take on the identity of a servant? I want you to try this. Try this. Put your name in the statement that Paul just said. Put your name there and just say it to yourself. Is it true? Do you live like a servant of Christ? Pray that that would be true in your life. Pray that you can be a servant. Paul identified himself as a servant of Jesus. And this role, this identity, this perspective changed many things in his life. It changed the things he focused on. It changed the way he prayed. And it changed his purpose and his goals. Right after this is one of Paul's prayers, and if you look through Paul's prayers, you'll see that he focuses on eternal things, not just the earthly things. Most of the time we only focus on earthly things. But he focuses on the glory of God, and he focuses on people becoming more and more like Christ. His prayers changed. But remember Paul's writing this letter while under house arrest in Rome. 
He's probably been in prison for almost two years while he's waiting for Caesar to hear his case. How would you feel? You were arrested for preaching the gospel, and you've been stuck, you've been stuck in a prison maybe for about two years. How would you feel? Disappointed? Frustrated? Feel like God abandoned you? Feel like there's nothing you could do? Would you complain? Would you be angry at God? How does Paul feel? Let's look at verses 12 to 14. Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul knew that God was even using this difficult situation. Being in prison was not a problem. Being in prison was an opportunity for the gospel to spread to the Roman guards. It was an opportunity for Paul to encourage other believers to share the gospel. Now, being in prison, of course, was not an easy situation, but God was using it for good. Notice that Paul does not focus on the problem, on the situation, but on the purpose of his life and the power of his God. He knew that the purpose of his life was to spread the gospel, and he knew God's power would enable him to do just that. In fact, there was no problem that God could not overcome. Nothing was a problem to God. Brothers and sisters, I think we need to look more often at the circumstances in our life as God-given opportunities to perhaps further the gospel. We need to learn to rejoice at what God is going to do rather than complain about what God did not do. We need to realize that our circumstances aren't as important as what we allow God to do with those circumstances. We need to learn to trust God even in situations that seem difficult or bad. Because if we trust in him, if we trust in his power, then God can even work through those situations and he can maybe turn something that we see as bad into something that is quite good. About seven years ago, I was facing a very difficult situation in my own life. After 14 years as a missionary in Hong Kong, I returned to my home church in the USA for a one-year furlough. Now, you might naturally think, and I naturally thought, that this is going to be a very happy, joyful, recharging time. However, it turned out to be the most difficult, actually, most difficult year in my 22 years as a missionary. Because the, probably the year before I returned to the USA on furlough, there were a lot of changes in my home church. And there was also a new mission pastor who came from outside of the church who had made a lot of changes to the whole structure of, of missions at my church. And, and in fact, he hadn't uh, passed on that information to any of the missionaries on the field. So I came back and it was my, just kind of like there were a lot of new things going on. And all these things caused a lot of difficulties for me. It was really hard, I, very frustrating so much so that I was so stressed out that many times I couldn't sleep at night. And I prayed a lot during that time. But honestly, most of my prayers were focused on changing the situation. God, make it better. Make it easier for me. God, change the heart of the mission pastor. In fact, I even prayed, God, cause the mission pastor to leave. Yeah, very spiritual, right? But during that difficult time, someone introduced a very simple book on prayer to me. And there was a very simple prayer in this book that touched my life. And it's a prayer that I started to pray and I continue to pray now. And the simple prayer is this, Lord, do whatever 
will bring you the most glory. Lord, do whatever will bring you the most glory. That's a powerful prayer. Don't just pray that God's going to change the situation, but rather pray that God will do whatever will bring him the most glory. Maybe that means God will change the situation. But God, maybe God will choose not to change the difficult situation, but rather God will use you in that situation to bring glory to him in some way. To be honest, that whole year in the USA, my situation didn't really change. It was really difficult. But as I prayed that prayer, I knew that God had a reason and somehow he would get glory. Now looking back, I see it was because of that situation that I would later get connected to AGS, and that's been a very good thing. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. God, do whatever will bring you the most glory. So Paul doesn't focus just on the problem or the difficult situation. He focuses on the power and the glory of God, and he focuses on the purpose of his life. And we can clearly see what is the purpose or goal of Paul's life in the following verses. Why don't we read this together? I don't know that... Chinese churches usually will read aloud together, so let's, let's do that this morning. Uh, ready? One, two, three. The important thing is whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruit. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is nor necessary for you that I remain in the body. So Paul's in prison, and he's not sure if he would experience release from prison or martyrdom for his faith. In fact, he knows it's very likely that he might be executed because of his faith in Christ. In verse 20, we can clearly see Paul's purpose in life. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, what? Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul's purpose is to exalt Christ with his life and advance the gospel by any means. His goal in life is to exalt Christ in every way, even, even if it means dying. We can see how he felt, and we can see what he thought about as he faced this life-or-death situation, because in verses 22 to 24, he, we, he says he knows that dying is better because he will be with God, but he knows it's more necessary that he live and continue ministry. At, this, at the beginning of the message, I shared with you about that terrifying experience being on that boat in Indonesia. And I told you I learned some things about myself from that experience. You know, as the waves kept crashing in, as I felt like we were going to, likely were going to drown, I, I realized at least two things. First, I did not want to die by drowning. <laughs> I don't know, I think drowning sounds like the most terrible, horrible, painful way to die. I didn't want to die by drowning. But two, I was ready to die if that's what God wanted. I was confident I would go to heaven and be with God. I was ready to die, but there were still more things I wanted to do on this earth for God. So I pray, God, I really don't want to die today because there are so many more things that I plan to do for you and for your kingdom. 
And God, you know I really don't want to die by drowning, but I'm ready to die that way if that's what you want. Do whatever will bring you the most glory. Thankfully, God did bring me safely back to the dock, and I was able to catch my plane back to Hong Kong. That terrifying situation was an eye-opening experience for me because I realized that I was ready to die. I was confident I would go to heaven, but I didn't want to die because I still had a lot of things I wanted to do to serve Christ on this earth. Brothers and sisters, we, ne we need not fear death because we have the promise from God that we will be with him, which is better than anything else. But while we are alive on this earth, we need to focus on the things that are important. We can't waste our lives. We can't use our lives simply to entertain ourselves. Paul's purpose was to exalt Christ and to advance the gospel. That should be the purpose of every Christian, every person in this room. Our goal should be to exalt Christ and advance the gospel. And that's why many times Paul's, Paul, if you look through his letters, he will encourage believers to join with him in this goal. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he writes, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Join with me. Paul urges believers, join with me in this task of spreading the gospel. He invites them to work together with him. He challenges them to be partners in the gospel. Thankfully, the Philippian believers have been doing this. If we go back to the beginning of Philippians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Your partnership in the gospel. We need to work together to advance the gospel. We need to be partners in the gospel. Each of us, each one of you have a part to play. I think for me, one of the clearest pictures I had of partnership in the gospel came on an Easter uh, short-term ministry trip to Guangxi two years ago. Another one of my coworkers, um, Thomas and I, were leading six other Hong Kong brothers and sisters to serve for a week there. And I was honored to have the opportunity to give the message at the local church on Easter morning. And the church was packed. And after giving my message, I actually didn't have a place to sit, so I went and stood outside the, the front doors or the, the side doors of the church, which is right on the road. There's a little dirt road there. And while I was standing there, I heard my name. And I looked behind me, and I noticed one of our Hong Kong team members was talking to a, lo a local lady. Well, evidently, they had just mentioned my name, so I went over and introduced myself. And the lady was an English teacher at a local high school, and her English name was Shirley. And Shirley told me, told us that another teacher at her school was a member of the church, and this person, Brother Guan, had invited her to church on Easter and told her there would be an American speaking at church. So because of this, Shirley came to church on Easter Sunday. So after talking with her a little bit, I asked her, well, what did you think about the message I shared at church? And she said, well, this is my first time to church, so there are a lot, I have a lot of questions. There's a lot of things I don't understand. Well, I told her Easter would be a perfect time to talk about spiritual things, so I introduced my coworker Thomas to her, and Thomas is fluent in Mandarin, so they started having this conversation in Mandarin, and while they were talking in Mandarin, several of us stood around her and prayed. And at the end of the conversation, Shirley said that she wanted to trust in Christ, and she followed Thomas in prayer to become a Christian. It was truly, truly a remarkable Easter. But that whole experience really touched me. Because I saw the amazing orchestration and the work of God. God used several different people to accomplish this work and preach the gospel to Shirley. 
Brother Guan invited Shirley to church on Easter. I was the one that was arranged to speak in, at church that day. A Hong Kong team member took the initiative to start a conversation with Shirley. I introduced Shirley to Thomas, and Thomas used Mandarin to share the gospel with Shirley. God used at least four people in the process of preaching the gospel to Shirley. Now, of course, ultimately, it was God, the Holy Spirit, who worked in Shirley's heart and led her to believe, but it also involved several people playing a specific part, working together, partnering together to allow Shirley the opportunity to hear the gospel. Amazing. At least four people had to partner together before Shirley could believe. Each person had a different role to play, but each role was important and significant. That leads to, sorry, every single one of us must participate in the work of the gospel. We must partner together with God and others to take the gospel to this community and all around the world. Every one of us should be partners in the gospel and play our specific role. So the question is this, will you be a partner in the gospel? Will you play your part in taking the gospel to this community and all around the world? That leads to another important question, how? How can I be a partner? How can I participate in the work of the gospel? Well, let's look at another, another letter that Paul wrote this time to the Corinthians, his second letter. Possibly you've looked at this passage quite a bit here at church. You're probably familiar with it, but let's look at it again this morning. Verses 18 to 20. All this is from God, Paul writes, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look at the words in this passage. God gave us. God committed to us. All believers, God has committed to each and every one of us the message of reconciliation. What a responsibility. Each and every Christian should serve as Christ's ambassador and be a representative of God, a representative of this message of reconciliation. Notice the urgency in Paul's final statement here. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Earlier in chapter 5, Paul writes, Christ's love compels us, and we try to persuade men. There's an urgency and a motivation here. Friends, we have to take this responsibility seriously. We need to live and act and speak like Christ's ambassador. Now, while it is important to be a witness through our life and through our actions, we must, we must also be a witness through our words. We must proclaim the message of reconciliation title of the missions month i love to tell the story do you tell do you proclaim do you share verbally with your non-christian friends and family and, and co-workers this won't happen unless we develop relationships with and share spiritual truth with non-christians we need to show concern for them and engage in conversations with them as you develop a relationship with them, then you can share your testimony, share how Jesus has changed your life and your experience with him, bit by bit, step by step, sharing spiritual truth with them. That's important. Each one of you can do that. Another very simple but effective way of being an ambassador is to invite non-Christians to church or outreach events. You know, looking back at the story of Shirley's conversion in Guangxi two years ago, one of the first steps was that Brother Guan, Shirley's co-worker, invited her to church. How simple was that? But it was a crucial part in Shirley accepting Christ on that day. 
You can be a partner in the gospel by inviting non-Christian friends to church or outreach events. However, if we're going to be faithful to Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, then we have to be willing to do all of these things cross-culturally. We have to be willing to be an ambassador of Christ to people of different cultures and different people groups. We have to actively reach out to them, show concern for them, and ultimately share the truth with them. Brothers and sisters, I have some wonderful news for you this morning. You don't even have to leave Hong Kong to do that. You can be a cross-cultural ambassador locally right here in Hong Kong, right here in Kowloon. In fact, being the international city that it is, you have the opportunity to meet and minister to people from many different places, even those people coming from closed countries, people who in their own homeland may have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. In Hong Kong, you have the opportunity to do cross-cultural ministry, to show concern for, build relationships with, minister to, and share spiritual truth cross-culturally. If, if you are willing to make the effort, it involves an effort, it involves motivation, it involves going to them. We just sang a song at the beginning of the service, we must go. Keep us from just singing, move us into action. We must go. But you don't have to go very far. In fact, if you walk 15 minutes to Poly University campus, that's a cross-cultural mission field. Will you go? It takes an initiative. It takes motivation. I have a Bible study group right now with some young adults. They're all around 30 years old. They're, they all have good, good jobs. Uh, one of the guys in my group, Anthony, once a week after work, he'll go over to the Poly U campus to do evangelism. He'll walk around, pray with a partner, and they'll approach people, start a conversation, share the gospel with them. Recently, several others from my group have started joining Anthony uh, on some of these outreaches at Poly U, and invariably, almost every time, they've had opportunity to meet and talk with mainland students. I had another Bible study group several years ago, and at that time, all the members of the group were university students from different campuses. And that group, as we prayed about what we wanted to do that year, they decided they wanted to focus on ministering to mainland students again at Poly University. So they thought about, well, what kind of things do these mainland students need? So the first thing they did is they offered uh, a course to help the students get adjusted, adapted to life in Hong Kong. And then they offered, uh, I think it was an eight or 10 week Cantonese course for these mainland students, because most of them spoke Mandarin, of course, and they needed to learn Cantonese better here in Hong Kong. Now imagine, I also help teach Cantonese, but can you imagine what their Cantonese turned into? Um, actually, my Cantonese is not that bad, but. Um, and then after this, they actually started arranging various outings and activities to build relationships with these mainland students. And then they invited the students to join the, uh, an evangelistic Bible study that was ongoing. My group of students, they have all graduated now, but they continued this ministry even after they graduated. And over the course of these years, they've led a number of mainland students to Christ. There are opportunities to reach out to mainlanders, mainland university students, but there are also many mainlanders who immigrate here to live. There are numerous opportunities to minister to new immigrants, even using English. About 10 years ago, God laid on my heart a desire to minister to new immigrants. And so through some contacts, I began teaching an English class to newly arrived high school students because actually their English level was much lower than those of native Hong Kong students. And through these classes, I was able to build relationships 
and share the gospel with the students and also with several of their parents. There are many opportunities to minister to mainland Chinese here in Hong Kong, but there are opportunities to minister to other people groups. There are people who go out on Sundays to the parks to preach the gospel to Indonesians, the Indonesian maids, because most of them are Muslim. There are many here in Hong Kong that reach out to the Middle Easterners, once again, most of whom are, believe in Islam. You can reach out to Muslim people right here in Hong Kong. Are you willing to be a cross-culture ambassador locally? Are you willing to go? Of course, in order for the gospel to reach all people groups, God calls and commissions some Christians to go as a missionary, short or long term, to other countries. Alliance Global Serve and other mission agencies have many short-term mission trips scheduled each year. I saw on the bulletin that you have a GID, is that glow in the dark? Glow in the dark to China going March 3rd. There are opportunities for you to go. And in fact, since you are English speakers, this opens many doors in ministry possibility. For example, over the past 20 years, I've led a number of U.S. or Hong Kong teams into the mainland to teach English to high school students or even to teachers. I mentioned earlier that I was in Cambodia for two months, and while I was there, I was again focusing on teaching English to high school students, and I would often use the Bible as a means to teach English. And during one-on-one or small group oral practice with the students, I had opportunities to share my testimony and just to pray with many students. Teaching English can be a springboard to other types of ministry opportunities. Would you consider this year being a cross-culture ambassador by joining a short-term mission trip? Would you be willing to go? So how can we partner in the gospel? First, we must be an ambassador of Christ to non-Christian friends, family, and co-workers, but also be an ambassador cross-culturally here in Hong Kong and abroad. The second way to be a partner in the gospel is to support the work of missions. Support the work of missions. In the last chapter of Philippians, Paul thanks them for their financial support, and he even writes, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. You can support the work of missions by financially giving to support a missionary, a mission field, a mission agency, or a mission project. Previously, I mentioned how members of my small group, my current small group, they go to Paul EU to do evangelism. Well, this same small group a few years ago, they opened their own bank account that was specifically designated for missions. So the people in the, the small group on their own initiative and whenever they wanted could deposit or transfer money into that account for missions. And then every few months, whenever the, the balance got pretty high, as a group, they would come together and pray and vote on how they were going to use that money for missions. So over the past few years, whenever I was in Guangxi or China or, or Cambodia, I would pay attention to what are some needs, financial needs that this ministry really has, and I would go back and share with my students, the members of my group, and invariably, they would vote to support some of these ventures. In fact, over the past few years, they've made it possible for some leaders in remote villages of Guangxi to come to the main city to attend pastoral training that AGS provides four times a year. They're, they are sponsoring the salary of a youth worker in a small rural church in Guangxi. And just a few months ago, they paid for all the expenses for 14 high school students from the village I taught at in Cambodia. 14 of those students got to travel to another city for a huge Christian youth camp. And while there, four of the students got baptized. I am very proud of my Hong Kong group. Through their financial support, they are playing a part in advancing the gospel in several different places. What if you, what if your family or your small group adopted a specific missionary or a specific mission field or a specific mission ministry and started giving regularly to that cause? 
What if you sacrificed just a little in your own life? What if you sacrificed a little and gave up some things to give more to missions? Friends, let's be honest. Here in Hong Kong, most of us, probably every one of us in this room, live a very comfortable and maybe rather luxurious life. We have much more than we need. Do you really need that new pair of shoes? Do you really need that new shirt? Do you really need to get the latest smartphone when your current one is working just fine? Would you consider instead to give all that money to support some mission venture? What if you gave up one or two cups of Starbucks a week or Pacific coffee or whatever it is and gave all that money to support some mission ministry? Each of us should be partnering in the gospel by financially supporting missions. Of course, the most important way to support missions is through prayer. We all know that. I don't need to stand up here and preach on that because you know it. But the question is, do you do it? Do you do it? Great. <laughs> I wish there was a big, yeah. In Philippians 1.19, Paul writes, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul was saying that the prayers of the believers in Philippi was helping him when he was miles and miles away under house arrest in Rome. The prayers of the believers in Philippi, together with the power of the Holy Spirit, was helping, supporting, and ministering to Paul. There is power in prayer. Brothers and sisters, the most important, the most crucial and urgent thing you can do to support the work of missions is to pray, to pray. Being on the front lines as a missionary in Lavina, I'm sure, can testify to it as well. The most important thing you can do for people on the front lines in missions is to pray. It's the most important thing. At the beginning of this message, I shared about that terrifying experience being on the boat. Well, thankfully, God did bring me safely to that other island, and I was able to catch my plane back to Hong Kong as needed. But when I was sitting in the Indonesian airport, I heard some shocking news. That same day, that same afternoon when I was on the boat in that same general area, two boats did sink, and some 20 people did die. Tragic. Right after I got back to Hong Kong, I immediately sent and wrote an email and sent it out to my support team back in America, just explaining the situation and what had happened. The next day, I got an email from one of my supporters in America, and this person said they, at some point, suddenly felt led to pray. They didn't know why, but they stopped and they prayed for me. Coming to find out, that person was praying for me at the exact moment I was on that boat in Indonesia. I'm firmly convinced that God led that person to pray and that through that person's prayer and the help of the Holy Spirit, I was protected. But I often wonder what would have happened if that person hadn't stopped. What would have happened if that person hadn't prayed for me? Friends, I urge you to be praying for the advancement of the gospel all around the world. I urge you to consistently be praying for a specific missionary or a specific mission field or a specific people group. Your prayers are important. In fact, I'm going to just ask for just to stop for one minute right now. Uh, pray for the DID team. Pray for Lavina's ministry. Let's just take a minute and do that. Or if there's any other mission need that comes to your heart, let's take a minute right now and pray 
Pray for the GIT team that's in China, is that right? Pray for them for this day in their ministry. Just take a minute right now. Close your eyes, pray for them. Father God, we pray over these people who are on the front lines right now for you, serving you in different places, especially the GID team that's in China. We just want them to experience your power today, protect them and use them for the advancement of your kingdom. Thank you for bringing Lavina back and pray that you'll bless her and just encourage her, restore her, re refuel her while she's here in Hong Kong and then send her back, Lord God, and use her for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, I encourage each of you, each of you to be partners in the gospel. Each of you should do your part in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It could be by inviting friends or co-workers to church or sharing your testimony to them. It could be by supporting a missionary through prayer or financial support. It could be by praying for an unreached people group or a specific ministry. It could be by financially supporting some needs of a ministry in another part of the world. It could be by going on a short-term mission trip. Each of you, each of us, needs to be involved in advancing the gospel and being a partner in advancing the gospel of Christ. May God use you and bless you.